I get how important it is to surround Drew Aller with passing targets, offensive weapons, but Penn State's going to need Manny Diaz in year two to be a lot better. As the saying goes, defense wins championships, and if Penn State wants a shot at the Big Ten title in the college football playoff, they're going to need just that. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always, and we're going to continue this theme of very special guests. And this time it is former Penn State defensive lineman, Aeneas Hawkins. Welcome back on the show, Aeneas. I really appreciate it. And we're going to get uh, all the, pers- the some of the most important perspective from you because there's there's no speculation. There's no guessing. There's no gathering. You know, you were once upon a time inside the huddle. You're still very close to a lot of these guys. And you just since you were a football player, you understand the game the best. So thanks for your time. And we're going to appreciate really appreciate your perspective today. Yeah, Zach. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, the off season, you know, has a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it's an exciting time if you're a, a player in the program. Uh, but yeah, definitely a crucial time, especially with a, a young team with big time aspirations next year. Yeah. And we're going to get into all of that. And I, I want to start with you on defense because you're former defensive lineman. And I feel like I, I, I might be beating the drum too much a little bit with Marcus Haggins and the wide receivers and Malik McLean and Dante Cephas. I understand that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but I, I want to focus on defense first after, because I haven't gotten your perspective on the Rose bowl just yet when they won the Rose bowl, especially since you went to battle with all these guys, a lot of the time to see some of these demons exercised in this case because this team the the internet can be a funny place because you go back through all the season predictions right and you see some of the people i had them at 10 and 2 i I was spot on i got that i said i said ohio state and michigan but i I don't i didn't really project them in the rose bowl necessarily um i i didn't know what that would look like i kind of assumed that would be ohio state or michigan besides the point but to see them shatter those expectations to go from the consensus was seven and five maybe eight and four at best to ten and two to a solid top 10 team when you saw that for them what did that mean to you and what did you know that all the players were thinking all of your teammates friends and brothers yeah, well, you know, the first thing I think of just hearing you kind of describe that experience for him, you know, I can't help but think about that group of seniors uh, that was a part of, that was a part of that defense. I think about Jair Brown, uh, PJ Mustafer, Nick Tarburton, guys who's whose experience has kind of been up and down at Penn State. Uh, you know, a long five years with some highs with places like the Cotton Bowl and then some lows, uh, like an 0-5 start uh, during COVID. So, you know, to see those guys be able to go out there and execute at the highest level, uh, it meant a lot to me because I, I understand what some of those feelings are like. Um, but again, you know, I, I expected nothing less. I think about the leaders of that defense, the guys they had flying around uh, and the Rose Bowl really looked like the culmination of that, you know, started off uh, with a good Utah team who put some points up early. Um, things got a little feisty for those who remember I was watching on my TV and I saw the offense surrounding PJ Mustafer. Uh, and right then I, I felt extremely confident because I know those guys, they're such a tight knit group. They play so hard. There's so much talent everywhere. Uh, and really from that point on, they took that game over. Uh, so definitely proud to see that. 
Yeah, it was, I, I mean, the, the switch at quarterback, uh, you know, I I've said this and I've caught some flack for it because I thought the game could have been just a little more thrilling, a little more exciting had cam rising stayed in because for the first half, he was at least giving them headaches. I mean, he wasn't setting the world on fire. He was what? 10 to 21, 90 some yards interception. So the defense was doing its job, but I, I mean, they probably look back and say like, man, this guy was tough to wrangle in. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Cam, you know, just hearing it from those guys, it seemed like he really was their offense uh, in that Rose Bowl win. He he found a way, although, I mean, you listen to some of the stats, it, they're not the most glorious numbers, but the way he was able to extend plays with his feet, mm -hmm. uh, keep the offense on the field, that's what you look for in a good leader. Uh, but again, I, that really wasn't a surprise to the guys on, those, on that field. They knew uh, that Cam had a certain way of running that offense and keeping them going when it mattered most. Um, so yeah, definitely unfortunate to see him get hurt because I think it would have been a more thrilling finish. Yeah. I do think Penn State still would have probably walked away with it. Absolutely. At the end. Um, but nonetheless, definitely disappointing to see him go down during that game. Yeah, that's always been the case. I know there was no doubt in my mind that Penn State was going to win that game. And I said that from the second the matchup was set to, uh, to just, you know, hours before the case. I, I just wanted a more thorough. I just wanted them to beat Cam Rising. Yeah. Uh, but they were able to capitalize and just take advantage of mistakes that a backup is going to make and have the limitations uh, that he had. So good to know, you know, like what what they're thinking is kind of what I assume that the players would be feeling after all that. And the Rose Bowl, I mean, it's the last official granddaddy of them all. So uh, Penn State kind of gets to be that uh, that last showcase, at least until the college football playoff. And you and I are going to talk about that, the potential of this team, because uh, it, it's kind of college playoff or bust here. Maybe we're going to get that perspective. But defense, Aeneas, and to get to that, uh, that spot, to be in the top four, to at least contend for it, you're going to need a good defense. You're too of Manny Diaz how important is that yeah it's going to be really telling um you know that Manny Diaz defense you know, already has shown huge flashes of potential uh and really you know what causes problems for a lot of big 10 big 10 offenses which is which is pressure um so you know year two coming in guys aren't just learning the system now uh they're really you know tweaking and refining and able to master a system it's no different than what we said about uh, Yursich and Sean Clifford in the offense going into this year, uh, which we saw take massive strides pretty much all year long. Um, it's no different on defense. Guys being comfortable in a system, uh, being able to really perfect it, and that's what makes it tough for offenses to perform. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of turnover for Penn State. Now, they got some guys back, and we'll discuss Curtis Jacobs, Adisa Isaac. I've, I've admitted how important they are, but Jair Brown, one of the first players that you brought up in this case, he's going on to the NFL. Um, you also have to think about a Nick Tarburton going to the NFL as well. Uh, who's going to be the toughest guy to replace? I imagine your answer is immediately Jair Brown. So why is he the toughest guy to replace? And then who are some other guys that Penn State is going to miss defensively? Yeah, I mean, Jair is a monster to replace, right? We kind of had the, the luxury of going from Nick Scott to Jaquan Brisker to Jair Brown back to back to back. A bunch of really good players and some other really good safeties in that group, too. Um, you know, the thing to me is it's hard to replace guys like that. Uh, Jair is going to be a big time safety in the NFL. He'll have a bunch of success similar to what Jaquan Brisker has already proven in year one. Uh, but the thing that kind of helps me sleep easy is the fact that it seems like Coach Poindexter just knows how to develop those guys. Yeah. Uh, we saw guys like Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley play a ton of snaps last year. A guy who nobody really seems to talk about but also doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot wrong is Keaton Ellis, uh, a veteran in that room. So, you know, I think when you have a big-time player like Jair leave, um, 
replacing him really becomes more of a group effort rather than putting it on one person. Uh, and that's something I feel confident that safety room can do. Uh, but we talk about Nick Tarburton and PJ Mustafer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel a little bit better about the departure of Tarburton with the depth that's in that DN room. Obviously, Tarburton was a great player and really came on hot at the end of the year. Uh, to me, the challenge becomes replacing PJ Mustafer, a guy who didn't necessarily fill up the stat sheet. Uh, but was going to be very consistent in those A and B gaps and shut down the run that way. Uh, so for me, uh, I look at a group of young, super-duper talented D tackles, from Jordan Vandenberg to Zane Durant uh, to veterans now who really have an opportunity to be the leaders of that group in Devon Elise, uh, Kaziah, and Hakeem Beeman. So, you know, one of those guys, two or three of those guys even, uh, are going to have to take big steps in this coming year and be the guy uh, that's setting the tone of that Penn State defense. And to me, that's the biggest spot that needs replaced. It is former Penn State defensive lineman Aeneas Hawkins. He would know best. And we'll discuss P.J. Mustafer a little more, the void that is going to have to be filled by some of those defensive players that you mentioned. Penn State uh, wanted to pick up some defensive line depth in the portal, but they haven't quite yet. There is another opportunity for them to do that as that transfer portal window will reopen. Aeneas, let's discuss that next here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our brand new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easing. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 wager bet to get $150 in free bets. That's right, $150 in free bets. Win or lose. That's it. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. You got to check out the new show on the Locked on Podcast Network, and that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You get big name experts insiders, players, coaches, and more. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and Aeneas Hawkins, former Penn State defensive lineman, is our special guest on today's episode. If I, I encourage people in the YouTube comments, comment who you think is the most important player returning for Penn State defensively, because that's what we're going to discuss here, as P.J. Mustafer is leaving a huge void in the middle, because you said uh, he he won't necessarily blow up the stat sheet, but uh, at sometimes he did. But I, I thought P.J. Mustafer was always best at adjusting the play, and that's yep. why the the defensive line. And correct me if I'm wrong, Aeneas, but I, I, I almost I don't want to compare it this way because it might sound confusing, but they're basically offensive linemen for the linebackers, right? They're yep. trying to block, fill gaps, take on double teams, so that Curtis Jacobs. And, and Tyler Elsden and Kobe King so that they have uh, Abdul Carter. I don't want to leave him out so that they have free range to go and make plays. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I think it's very fair. I, I don't like being compared to offensive linemen, uh, <laughs> typically. Um, but, no, it's very similar. Um, you know, one underrated aspect of D-line play that PJ and Nick Tarbert and two vets uh, consistently brought and were perfect on uh, was just getting guys aligned, uh, making sure the front is set the right way, communicating stunts and twists and blitzes and all those types of things that people need to know uh, in order to stop the run and to get after the quarterback. And it's not an easy task. Uh, I know people kind of joke the defensive line is, is kind of a thoughtless position, um, but it really isn't. There are so many things and different aspects that you have to be prepared for as a group, uh, or you get a result like we saw when they played Michigan, uh, where suddenly this team out of the blue was able just to run all over uh, whenever they wanted to. Um, and, you know, again, to be able to make those adjustments and have guys who can communicate them effectively uh, is crucial uh, for guys like Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs and Elsden and those guys to be able to go make plays. And you bring up the Michigan game. Um, that's actually when when I talked to Steve Jones, who calls football and men's basketball for the Penn State Sports Network, and I talked to uh, other writers in the media, and I'll name drop him, Thomas Frank Carty Frank, was over at Blue White Illustrated, just because I respect his work so much. Uh, Michigan and Penn State weren't a matter of physicality. Everyone came to the consensus that Michigan just out physical. Penn State. And that wasn't it at all in that moment. And it's, uh, you look back at it and I know it doesn't matter now, but scheme, that, that's what mattered on that day is that they got out schemed in the moment. Michigan had stuff in its back pocket that it hadn't showed. And it just got the best, Penn, best of Penn State. It wasn't that this team, because Penn State, I think down the stretch defensively show that they were very, very, very physical. Yeah. And that was, I think that was the frustrating part about watching Michigan for me. Um, you know, there were moments where Penn State got out physical, which happens in every football game yeah. in the Big Ten at some point. Um, but a lot of it was just schematically uh, they were getting beat. Michigan kept running those trucks and those sweeps and getting pullers around. Um, and it just looked like maybe it was something that wasn't prepared for as thoroughly as you would have hoped. But again, play them early in the season. Uh, they really hadn't played anybody at that point. So they were able to keep a lot of their best plays yeah. in their back pocket, keep them all filmed. And that makes it tough to prepare. Um, but again, uh, those are, I mean, and we saw it throughout the year. Those that was not a defensive group that was going to get out physical um, or 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 out efforted on the field. I mean, they played so hard, and there were, it was a bunch of tough guys all over that field. Um, so it yeah, again, we talk about scheme, we talk about strategy is is super important in this conference. And part of those tough guys, uh, Curtis Jacobs and Adisa Isaac coming back, those were the difference makers for me. I said, if this group uh, collectively, uh, I, this includes the offense and the defense together, I said, but if this team is going to be a college football playoff contender and contend for a Big Ten title and have to go through Ohio State and Michigan again, Adisa Isaac and Curtis Jacobs had to come back, not one or the other, both of them. So getting those two players back, what does Adisa do for the pass rush and the run defense? And what does Curtis Jacobs do for the linebacker and Nias? Yeah, I mean, I was so excited to see those two come back because in my opinion, uh, in a lot of people's opinions, those are two guys who could probably go make NFL rosters uh, this coming year if they really yeah. want to. Um, you know, I, I specifically a guy like Adisa, you know, I can't overstate it enough. I think we saw a little bit of it in the Rose Bowl when he's healthy, when he's confident yeah. and when he's had enough reps, that kid has a whole lot of potential, um, a whole lot of potential like Yitor Grossmatos, AK, Chopper. I mean, all those guys that we think of when we think of great Penn State DNs of recent years, Adisa has all the makings of that. 
Uh, so to have him back is huge. Again, when we talk about a D-line who's losing P.J. and who's losing Nick Tarburton, um, he's going to have to be that veteran presence. And Curtis Jacobs is no different. Um, he's a guy with a super-duper high ceiling, flashed a lot this year, um, looking to see if he can be as consistent as he wants to be and those around him want him to be. Because when he is, uh, he's one of the better players in the Big Ten. And obviously with a guy like Abdul Carter lined up on the other side of him, uh, that's a duo that can really be dynamic and be problematic for opposing offenses. And the defensive line is kind of the question mark just because James Franklin has admitted it. I mean, he said that, and I don't think they're a question mark, but I think there's room room to get better, if you will. Because they said, look, we, we want to go add guys in the transfer portal. They said that. Uh, is, is there a necessarily a need at defensive line? Do you agree with Coach Franklin here? Or do you think they have the Warriors to kind of continue and just give those guys a chance in another offseason uh, and, and they'll be good to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of great success in the transfer portal, specifically at D-line. I think about Chop. I think about AK, Derek Cangelo, uh, another guy who is getting ready to do well in the NFL. But, you know, to be honest, I do disagree with Coach Franklin uh, on this matter. Uh, I think <laughs> I'll send him, I'll send him yeah, the show. <laughs> you, you send it to him if you got to. Uh, but, you know, I think those young guys in that D-tackle room and that D-end room are ready for the moment. Uh, Coach Franklin is the guy who himself always talks about depth and the importance of it and, and that being a catalyst and guys being ready when their time is called upon. Uh, and I think the guys in that room are hungry. Uh, you know, again, not to bring up P.J. Mustafer again, but had three, four years to sit back and learn from a guy whose process was so meticulous and so perfect all the time. My expectation for that group is to rise up. Uh, they have all the talent in the world in that room. Um, so if Coach Franklin and his staff don't necessarily go land the D-line out of the transfer portal, I expect to see no drop-off. As a matter of fact, I see the group continuing to get better in the future. Because I'm I'm all for Zane Duran here. I, I think Zane Duran is not only Big Ten, all Big Ten material, but I think he's All-America material. Like he, they when he when he showed up early for when he enrolled early as a as a true freshman and he was just going through spring ball and then ultimately the summer workouts like everything yep. that would kind of it was always Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen like you asked James Franklin and he'd light up about those players yep. uh, same thing with J1 Sider but then it's like okay and then there was Abdul Carter but then there was some one guy that people is like well he's not getting on the field so but they would still light up about this kid because of what he yep. was doing on the practice field how, how true is that how, it, it's yeah. Zane Durant ready for a breakout season yeah so it's funny because you know, he's such a freak athlete, man. Him and uh, another guy, Hakeem Beeman, I'll, both, I'll put both of them in that category, being really, really athletic guys. Uh, Zane, obviously, being so young and having so much so much room to grow, um, he's going to be a special player. Man, I think about Kevin Givens, and I really think Zane's ceiling may be higher than what Kevin's is, and he's re getting ready to go play for an NFC Championship. So yeah. definitely room to be excited about that. And again, you know, to come back to the topic of the D-line, the thing that's going to really help them excel and excel quickly is the competition that's in that room. I don't know who the starting four of week one next year is, and nobody in that room does. That's going to come down to winter workouts, spring ball, and camp. Uh, and there's a bunch of capable guys in that room that can really go out there and play good ball. So I'm excited to see it. Do you worry about the size? Uh, that's, the, that's the final question I want to uh, wrap up in segment number two before we continue. Storm Duck came out of the transfer portal. We'll get into the offensive guy. Everybody loves the offense. Uh, pe yep. People like to forget about the defense. But um, people say that uh, Penn State's D-line isn't big enough. They're going to get pushed around. They don't have enough size. They need to go get some 350-pound-plus mammoth that they can line up in the middle to clog the, 
clog the line of scrimmage. I, I, I don't know that that I, I agree with you. I think the athleticism is important where you can't necessarily beat them with size. Why not beat them with speed? So for you, is, is there a size factor here that you might be concerned about uh, down the stretch next season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the easy it's an easy thing to point to when things go wrong is, is maybe there isn't enough size uh, specifically at the D tackle uh, position. But yeah. again, you talk about strategy. I talk about the Manny Diaz defense. It's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of pressures. It's a lot of stunts up front, guys going from gap to gap, jumping around. And really, that's what Franklin and his staff have recruited uh, to go and do. You know, if you had a different type of system where you needed a 340-pound nose guard, you needed a Vita Vea mm -hmm. in order to stop the run, you know, it's a different conversation. But again, I think Franklin and his staff uh, have a plan uh, and they understand their plan. And I also think there's enough size and grit in that room. I think about a guy like Devon Elise, who plays around 300 pounds and is strong as an ox. I I've learned that myself. You know, <laughs> I, I think there's enough size in there to win. Um, and I think they'll be fine. And it is locked on Nittany Lions with special guest, former Penn State defensive lineman Aeneas Hawkins, donating some of his time to talk to us about the Penn State defense, particularly Storm Duck comes in out of the transfer portal. Also get your perspective on Malik McLean, Dante Cephas, as they've committed as well. And we'll discuss that in our final segment coming up next. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. Final segment here with special guest, former defensive lineman for Penn State, Aeneas Hawkins. I'm Zach Seiko, your host. Subscribe to the Locked on Nittany Lions YouTube channel if you have not already. I really appreciate the support here, helping us get over 800 subscribers. Uh, Aeneas, your show today is definitely going to help with that because it just makes my content better, right? It, it, it makes, the, makes the channel so much better. So thank you for your wisdom on this episode today. Uh, Aeneas, we're continuing with defense because it's been, it's been about the offense and and I definitely want your opinion on, you know, the boosted wide receiver room, especially because Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley left Taylor Stubblefield kind of out of the blue was fired. Uh, and, and you don't know what kind of direction Penn state was going to go in. And now they have Marcus Haggins. So uh, we'll talk about that here and finish the conversation with your opinion on, are they close to a college football playoff berth? Are they close to another big 10 title? But we'll save that for the end defensive line. We've discussed the linebackers, the secondary, I didn't think they were in the market for another cornerback, but they went out and got Storm Duck because they like to run this system where they essentially have two starters and then a co-starter that kind of floats and can cross between both boundaries. Joey Porter Jr., he's another guy that the defense is going to be missing. Yeah, we focused on Jair Brown because uh, it just the, the guys that are kind of the unsung heroes, everybody knows about Joey Porter Jr. We, we, he's going to be a first-round pick, but I don't feel like not enough people talk about P.J. Mustafer. Jair Brown. With that being said, Joey Porter Jr. is vacating a huge hole on one side of the defense. Storm Duck comes in, and I think he can be another type of Johnny Dixon, maybe even better, but he's a guy that Penn State brings in, and I think that just absolutely solidifies the secondary. Yeah, I think it definitely solidifies it. a loss in Joey Porter Jr. is a big one, uh, regardless of who you have in the room. We're talking about one of the best, if not the best, corner in college football last year. Uh, you know, you got a guy like Kalen King who stuck who stuck around, uh, clearly a, a CB1 kind of guy, yeah. um, a guy who's going to start next year pretty much regardless of anything. And to me, I turn my eyes uh, to Storm Duck, 
uh, Johnny Dixon, really banging it out for that number two spot. And then again, a guy like Daquan Hardy, who's played valuable minutes as a nickel corner guy. Um, we come back to the idea of competition uh, and what it takes for a Penn State to make that that lunge into the college football playoff. And it's about making sure you have real deal competition at every position on the field. And I think that's what the staff seems to be after in this portal. Uh, I mean, just watching a little bit of Storm Duck, he looks like a guy who can come in and, and really help day one. Uh, so I'm excited to watch that develop. And North Carolina's defense was pretty bad last year, like pretty bad. Um, but Storm Duck was actually one of the bright spots. He wouldn't have been all ACC if he, if he wasn't, especially on a defense that just it was a wet paper bag. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Storm Duck will tell you that. Um, but he comes to a defense that's going to he's going to make look good and the defense is going to help make him look good. But I, I just really I think Kalen King is a first round cornerback waiting to happen. I'm talking top 10 when he, when he puts it on display here, this upcoming season, I think that Johnny Dixon and and storm duck will be those co-starters that will alternate. And then even when Kalen King needs a breather, then it's Johnny Dixon and storm duck. And it's like, you don't miss a beat. So that's why I bring up Jair Brown a lot because the secondary Keaton Ellis is coming back. That's great. But Jair Brown did so much, and now you're going to get kind of a different safety if you get Zachy Wheatley back there. Or do you think it's going to be Jalen Reed? Because Jalen Reed, I thought, was going to take Keaton Ellis' spot. Now, Keaton Ellis is coming back, which is great. You know, more more fuel to the fire. But Zachy Wheatley is a different, completely different kind of safety at, at that free yep. safety spot. What kind of safety is he from what you've seen, from what you know, from what you yeah. might have chatted with him about? Yeah, I mean, from day one, I was there when Zaki Wheatley came into the program as a as a young, lengthy kid, no muscle mass, and still <laughs> he came in the spring ball and led the team in, in turnovers, cause interceptions, forcing yeah. fumbles, all kinds of plays. The kid just knows how to get around the football, and guys that know how to get around the football find their way onto the field. Um, and he's always been a guy that's just possessed that natural intangible. Uh, as he continues to get older, we see that developing. Uh, at the end of the year, he's a guy that started tackling better. He's got good length, good athleticism. Uh, definitely a guy that you'd want to have in your secondary. At, at you know, however tall he is, six foot, uh, six one, whatever. Um, but he's a guy who can play ball. And then again, a guy like Jalen Reed. You know, he came in and was a grown man about the way he played safety from day one as well. A physical guy that'll come downhill and hit you. He can run and cover. Uh, really does it top to bottom. And then again, we talk about Keaton Ellis. He's a veteran guy. Uh, who has really done all the right things since he's been on campus, a homegrown state college guy at that. So, you know, the way I see that position shaking out is, you know, maybe one top dog emerging, uh, whoever really can get the defense aligned and be that leader out there uh, in that back end. And then whoever else um, is the other starter seems to be splitting a lot of reps uh, with guys in the room. I I expect to see that combination of safeties we see back there to change uh, because I think two or three of those guys can probably play both spots if they need to. And, and I think there's some more flexibility in here as well, because I hear about, uh, well, Jalen Reed could slide down and maybe be that Jonathan Sutherland yep. hybrid yep. Uh, or or could be used just to cover tight ends. Maybe still a safety, but then you can go a little more dime and then yep. you have more than just two safeties out there. You can go three safeties uh, and, and still and then have the tight end covered off because Reed so has the big body. And also the athleticism to keep up with some of those really good yep. tight ends because they're they're not going anywhere uh, in they're, the they're Big Ten. Stay. 
Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's really the most important thing that I see with this defense is that you have so many different personnel options uh, that you can adjust and play with depending on what you're seeing from the offense you're playing. And that's really something that's kind of new at Penn State as far as I see it. The depth that they have now on that side of the football is really better than it's been since I was around starting in 2018. Um, and that's what's exciting about them, in my opinion. Aeneas Hawkins, former Penn State defensive lineman, joins us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. We've talked plenty of defense, and I'm glad we did because that defense wins championships. And if they're going to get to the college football playoff, they're going to need that defense to be stout. Now, offensively, just because I, I do want your opinion on it, uh, Malik McClain comes in. He's already on campus, and Dante Cephas is going to join over the summer. Did Penn State do enough in the transfer portal, given that guys like Kevon Lee did leave? Jaden Dotton did leave. Did they get enough in return to kind of offset set some of those losses, uh, particularly in the passing game, but everywhere across the board? Yeah, uh, I think it's a great question. I think it's yet to be seen, but I do think uh, specifically in the receiver room, they did a good job uh, trying to bolster uh, that room up more than what it is. I think there is still a lot of young talent in the room. Uh, saw some things from Trey Wallace. We saw Liam Clifford getting in the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy that everybody's excited about, Amari Evans and Caden Saunders. There's a lot of young talent in the room. Uh, but now it's about getting some guys who have played some college football in there uh, who also have an expectation that they can come in and be that guy uh, in that Penn State receiver room. And that's a room, realistically, that's hungry for it. You know, with a new wide receiver coach coming in, a guy who is known uh, for his ability to develop the guys he brings in, obviously doing it at Virginia for a long time, and now with the opportunity, honestly, to work with what should be better athletes in those cases at a place like Penn State. Uh, so I expect that they're all going to develop. Again, competition breeds excellence, and I know that's a staple in Franklin's uh, formula here for success, uh, and I think we'll see a lot of it next year, especially with guys like Parker Washington and Mitch Tinsley leaving. Uh, it really creates a big opportunity for, for the next man up to step up. And let me not leave this without mentioning Keandre Lambert-Smith, yeah. who we saw do some really good things in the Rose Bowl, a guy who everybody has known for a long time, has all the intangibles to be successful here. Um, now it's a newfound opportunity to go and be the guy. Yeah, he, he's the old guy in the room. I saw a video of him, uh, you know, messing around with Caden Saunders, uh, Mari Evans. They were doing, you know, yeah. best celebrations. And uh, it was it was cool to see them having fun. Uh, you bring up Marcus Haggins, and I'm glad you did, because that was my next question here is what are they getting? You know, what are they what do you think the receivers are most excited about? Maybe what have they told you? Uh, that they're most excited about as far as, and it's not, it's not here to criticize Taylor Stubblefield, but you also have to look towards the future here. What is Marcus Haggins? What is the expect expectation that he's going to be different from way the way things have been done in the past? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's hard to kind of call that this early, especially without winter workouts having happened and mm -hmm. without spring ball having happened uh, still very new, but again, you know, you just go and look at his track record. I know that's something that those guys are excited about. Uh, they have full trust in the higher, um, and again, the expectation in that room is that really when you look at Penn State's offense, that is the question mark. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, we, we haven't seen a ton of Drew Allard yet, but you look at the offensive line and the tight ends, and that's, those are established groups, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. We know what we're getting from them. Uh, now it's a matter of, hey, okay, who do we have that can stretch the field uh, and change up a little bit of what this offense is uh, and give some variability to what an opposing defense has to prepare for. All right. The one that I've been waiting for, and I'll save the best for last here. There's all these elements that come into play. Manny Diaz, uh, Drew Aller, uh, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, the wide receivers in the transfer portal, Storm Duck, 
in the transfer portal uh, and then all the veterans that Penn State was able to get back. Like, I feel like that's that's how you win the offseason. You keep the guys in house that you really need. And that's what Penn State, you know, it's like Kevon Lee was definitely in need. But, uh, you know, I, I hope that he lands on his feet somewhere. Um, with all that being said, that there's going to be a lot of changes here. How close is this Penn State team? to a Big Ten title, to a college football playoff berth, the last four-team college football playoff, and that's when you want to do it. You, you Before it really opens up and you get 12 teams, in your opinion, Aeneas, can this team do it if we, as we're sitting here today at the end of January? Yeah, I mean, oh, man, it's such a, such a big question. I'll tell you what, it's been a goal in that building to be able to be a playoff team for so long. It's something you always talk about going into the offseason. Uh, but for some reason, this one feels just a little bit different. Uh, it feels more realistic than it's ever been, um, especially coming off of that Rose Bowl win. You know, the most important factor in getting that accomplished, in my opinion, is the, the belief by the entire team that you can go do it. Um, because it changes the way you prepare uh, going into a big offseason. It changes the way uh, that everybody approaches each day. Uh, I know, again, Franklin's messages will be the same. Um, and that's day by day, continue to push towards the ultimate goal. But, you know, I look at the horses in the stable. I look at who they have on the coaching staff. Um, and it seems like the Ducks are all aligning. You got a big-time quarterback in Drew Alar uh, that seems to really be able to stretch the field and be one of those elite guys that you so typically see uh, in those playoff matchups. And I think the best football is ahead for Penn State. Uh, and I would not be shocked at all to see them in the playoff next year. Is there one X factor that really puts them over the top if you had to pick one? Yeah, he he's from Medina, Ohio. Uh, his name is Drew Alar, man. Um, you know, I have a lot of faith in, in all the other things I've seen. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Drew, and don't hear me wrong. Um, but, you know, now the horse's uh, reins are in his hands, uh, and he's got to go lead that offense and lead that team, which I think he's fully capable of. He has every intangible you need. Uh, but to me, that is going to be the biggest separator for Penn State football this year, uh, having a guy that can, that can straight up sling it 50, 60 yards when he needs to, uh, the poise he has as a young guy. Uh, having had the opportunity to learn the offense from a six-year guy in Sean Clifford, yeah. who, who guys will tell you that we're around him is a football savant, uh, understands the game really well. I mean, again, it's the perfect opportunity for Drew to step in and be that guy. I'll throw in myself, uh, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen in no. year two. No Every, everyone says Singleton's a, a Heisman candidate. Uh, I think Katron Allen can be in that same conversation. Yes, um, he can. It, it feels very uh, – feels very Nick Chubb and uh, what was the other cat's name? Sonny Michelle. It, yeah. feels, it feels very similar to a room like that, man. They can be special. As it fair, I've said in a recent episode, Reggie Bush and Lindell White. There you go. There you go. You're showing your age a little bit too, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, those guys were fun to watch when I was a kid. No doubt. So Aeneas Hawkins, ladies and gentlemen, former Penn State defensive lineman, joining me here on Locked on Nittany Lines. Aeneas, I always appreciate the time. I can't wait to have you back on for the next episode. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, anything that you'd like to plug, uh, uh, you can see on folks on the screen his Twitter. Follow him there. Um, but in terms of content, you know, uh, life after football, what do you want to share with the audience? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, check me out at Aeneas Hawkins on TikTok if you're on that. Uh, if not, Twitter is where you'll find me talking the most ball, man. So follow me there at Aeneas Hawkins as well. Uh, you know, and just keep showing love to those guys in the locker room. They hear you. They feel the energy. Um, it's going to be a fun year, man. So thank you for having me on, Zach. Always appreciate being with a pro like you, man. Uh, <laughs> and I hope we can do this again soon. Appreciate that, Aeneas. Thanks.
Yes, sir. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out the brand new show, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. From big-name experts to insiders, coaches, and players, they've got it all at Locked On College Basketball. So check it out wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Thank you so much for 800-plus subscribers here on YouTube. Help us continue to grow the channel with Locked On Nittany Lions. Some cool episodes coming up, actually. Breakout players, I'm sure you want to know who could be next up to be the star the face of Penn State football. And we're going to nominate some offensive and defensive players over the course of the next few episodes to see who can have that breakout season in 2023. And it'll be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.